Good morning. Oh, it is good to see you. It, it was dead in here at 9 o'clock this morning. It was like daylight savings time, you know, where you lose an hour. That's what it was like at 9 o'clock. So I'm really glad to see all of you here today. We have people watching on what's called the World Wide Web all over the world. And we have Aqua Dulce Campus, Woodland Hills, Porter Ranch, both indoor and outdoor. And I guess the city uh, this week overturned the rule that says that churches can now meet. And so we're thankful for that. We're, we're, uh, we're still being careful and uh, social distancing. And, uh, and so we're thankful. We have a lot to be thankful for. Can you say amen? The Bible says that the word never returns void. Turn to your neighbor and say the word never returns void. Say that. All right, that's good. And what that means is that God has a blessing in store for each of you because you've come today to study his word. So you're going you're gonna to be blessed in some way just for being here today. I believe that. Los Angeles is known for its movie studios. And usually when producing a movie, at the completion of the filming, someone hollers, it's a wrap. And everybody starts to applaud. In similar fashion, as we look back over this past year, it seems as though everything that could go wrong did go wrong, including USC beating UCLA in football this last week. <laughs> and and they, they, USC must have cheated. That's the only way they could beat UCLA, so I'm sure they cheated. Someone sent me this photograph. This is a, if 2020 was an ice cream flavor, this would be the flavor. They call that a slush slush is what it's called. And then I saw this little cartoon. This is a manger scene in 2020. The wise men getting temperature checked before they go in and see baby Jesus and socially distant. Many of us are ready to look at this year and say those words, it's a wrap, and kiss this year goodbye. This month, uh, the month of December, since it's the last month of this year, the title of our series, our Christmas series, we're calling it, It's a Wrap. And if you look at your, uh, the screen, here are the four sermons that we've pro we we're preaching through this series. Two weeks ago, the first message was from loneliness to God with us. Last weekend, uh, Pastor Jeff did a great job preaching from impossible to possible. Today, this is week three, I'm going to speak on the subject from downtrodden to uplifted. And then Christmas Eve, we have a message called from darkness to light. And because of the pandemic this year, we've chosen uh, to do our Christmas Eve service only online. So we will not have services here at the church. However, we've recorded this, this message, this entire service. It's about 35 minutes long, maybe 36. And we're going to show it at the top of every hour on Christmas Eve Eve, Christmas Eve, and Christmas Day. So for three days, we're going to show this message every hour at the top of every hour. And what I'd like to have you do, invite you, is to get your family or whoever's in your household, find you an hour either on Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday of this week, and gather the family, get you some communion elements and some candles, because in this service, we sing some Christmas songs, 
special music, we'll have communion, I preach, and at the very end, we'll light the candles and sing that song, Silent Night. So we're going to be doing that online, and we'll have people literally all over the world participating, but we're asking you this year to have that Christmas service at your, that Christmas Eve service at your home. With that in mind, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1, and you're really going to need your Bibles because I want you to see what's in this chapter. Grab your outlines. I want to speak to you on this subject from downtrodden to uplifted. And I'm speaking on a text today that I have never taught on before. You say, how's that possible? Well, the Bible is a big book. There are many passages that I've never preached a sermon on. Now, I've read through this uh, book, the chapter, but I've never actually studied it to preach. And so it's interesting to note, we're looking at a passage that's known as Mary's Song. Everybody say Mary's Song. We're going to look at the song that Mary sang. Now, as you study through the Bible, there are many passages in the Bible where people sing a song. Back in Exodus chapter 15, after Moses and Miriam crossed over the Red Sea, they sung a song. In Judges chapter 5, Deborah and Barak, after Israel is saved from Sisera, they sing a song. David in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, when they bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, they sing a song. There's a story about a girl named Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 2, after the Lord allowed her to conceive a child, Hannah breaks out and sings a song. So in our text today, right in the middle of the Christmas story, Luke chapter 1, you might find this interesting. There's not one song. There are actually two songs that are sung. The first song is sung by young Mary. Later in the same chapter, there's a song sung by Zechariah. And today, we're not going to look at Zechariah. We're going to look at Mary's song. Historically, it has been called the Magnificat, Magnificat, which is one of the most often sung ancient hymns over the last 2,000 years. The Catholic Church, the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Anglican Church have all used Mary's song in their worship services. The song, or the gist of the song, if you study it, is a song about lifting up those who feel downtrodden. It speaks, as we looked at two weeks ago, to a period of time, historically, where the Jews felt forsaken. The corrupt Roman government is in control at the time. God has been silent for 400 years. The temple is basically a flea market instead of a worship center. God's presence was lacking. Religion had become a ritual. And it was in this atmosphere that God does the impossible. He chooses a simple teenager from an insignificant town called Nazareth, which its population at that time, at best, was about a 1,000 people. In an unclean portion of the Holy Land called Galilee, and, whatever make, and what makes this even more difficult is at this time, to a degree that many of us are not aware of, it was a man's world back in those days. 
So if anyone was gonna bring a message of hope, the very last person that you would ever pick would be an impoverished Jewish teenage girl from unclean Galilee, but that's exactly who God chose. And when he chose Mary, in a sense, he's lifting up those who are downtrodden. He sees us in our fear and our sadness. And when he sends this gift, his son, called Jesus into our world, he's offering up hope to the hopeless. He's giving strength to the weak. He's giving encouragement to those who are brokenhearted. And all God's people said, amen. I wanna reset, everybody say the word reset. I wanna reset the scene in order for you to see the background or the context of this song being sung. You have a simple, humble, teenage girl engaged to a young man named Joseph. They are planning their wedding and Mary shows up pregnant. She's never slept with a man before. An angel back in Luke chapter one, this same chapter in verse 26, shows up and tries to explain everything to Mary. The angel says, God's favor is upon you. Mary is frightened. The angel says, fear not. You have a child growing in your womb, and that child is the savior of the entire world. Mary, in Luke chapter one, verse 34, says, how can this be, since I am a virgin? The next verse, the angel says, well, I can answer that. The way this can be is because God's Holy Spirit has overshadowed you and your child is actually the son of the living God. The angel can sense the disbelief in Mary and tells Mary, don't doubt God. The angel says in verse 37, all things are possible with God. And then the angel says, there's one more little bit, tidbit of information. Even, and this just kind of comes out of left field, even your cousin Elizabeth is going to have a child in her old age. The angel says that, and Mary's, what's Elizabeth got to do with any of this? Mary, although young and although scared, although a virgin with child, she had to have a thousand questions going through her mind. And yet she says in Luke 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel did something. Usually we just skip right over it. After the angel, after Mary says, may it be as you say, the Bible says that the angel did what? The angel, the angel left her. So Mary goes from this supernatural encounter and discussion with an angelic being to dead silence. And she has to be thinking, now what am I gonna do? I'm pregnant, I'm a virgin, I'm engaged, Joseph's not going to believe me, my family's not gonna believe me, no one's going to believe me, what am I going to do? And then Mary says, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go see my cousin Elizabeth. 
because maybe Elizabeth can help me figure all this out. The angel did mention her name. So if you look at Luke chapter one, verse 39, look what the Bible says that, that Mary did right after this encounter. She, she went on a road trip and she went up into what's called the hill country of Judea where Elizabeth lived. And, the, and, and as she makes that journey, if, if you really read the story, she finally gets to Elizabeth's house and as she, walks, as she walks through the front door, Mary says hello and before Mary can get the word hello out of her mouth, Elizabeth, her cousin, confirms everything the angel had said to Mary because the first words, Luke 1 verse 42, in a loud voice, Elizabeth exclaimed, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. First words out of her mouth to Mary. This is like a woman's intuition coupled with the divine anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. And Mary now knows, and it's all true, what the angel had told her. And so then Mary burst out in song. That's how we get to this song. There's three things about this song. Number one, write this down. In spite of all of Mary's problems and in spite of all the problems going on around the entire world, Mary recognizes how blessed she was and she recognizes where those blessings come from. Amen? All this stuff going on, yet she knows how blessed she is and where those blessings come from. I wanna read the first few verses of this song. The Bible says in Luke 1, verse 46, and Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Verse 48, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now I want you to note this, write this down. The first thing that she does, she chooses to magnify the Lord. She says, my soul what is that? that? That is everything in her. That's, that's, that's everything in her chooses to glorify. That word means magnify. Everything within her, her soul glorifies the Lord. That's true worship. Worship is something that just bursts out of you. It, it, if you think about it, it it's, 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 Worship is, is, for many of us, here's what we think worship is. Worship is when you come to church about three or four or five minutes late, and someone says, everybody stand up, so everybody stands up, sing verse one, sing verse two, sing verse three, everybody sit down. We do communion, we're gonna do an offering online. Everybody stand back up, we got one more song, sing verse one, sing verse two, sing verse three, everybody sit down, we call that worship but that's not worship. Worship is when inside of you, you have so much love and praise and adoration and gratitude for God and all the things that he's done for you that you get, you, it just comes out of you. It overflows out of you. Worship is when you recognize how blessed you are and where those blessings come from. Even if you feel like I just got a few little things to be happy about or be, be blessed about. Amen. 
I mean, if your blessings, if you've only got a few blessings, your heart should be so full of joy, so full of song, so full of gratitude that you literally burst into praise. You burst into glorifying God. You can't help but magnify God. One of our greatest weaknesses and failures as Christians is that there can be 10 things in our life that are all, that are all amazing. And one thing goes wrong. And we forget about the nine things that make us the most blessed and favored people on the face of this planet. And all we do is we look at the one thing that's wrong and complain and complain and complain and complain. The Bible says in Psalm 150, verse 6, let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Let everything that have breath. In other words, if you're breathing, how many of you are breathing right now? I'm not a doctor. I don't work in the ER department, but I will tell you this. If you're breathing, it means that you're still alive. And what Psalm 150 verse 6 says, if you're alive, if you're breathing, if you've got a, a breath in you, you ought to be using that breath to magnify and glorify the Lord God above. So she chooses to magnify God. Now watch the second thing that she does. This is very important for us. She moves all personal glory to the Lord God. Mary takes any praise that is thrown her way and throws it towards God. She said these words. It's very interesting that she knew this. She said, from now on, now think about it. She's just a little humble teenage girl, and some angel appears and says, you're pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I know you've never been with a man, but you're going to have a child, and that child is the Savior of the world. And Mary's thinking, if, if that's true... They're going to be talking about me for many, many generations, if that's true. So she says in this song, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. That's true. But then she takes all that praise and all that glory, and she gives it over to God. For she says, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She deflects all that praise over to God. And that one thought, that truth, is needed today. If there is anything good, anything good in your life, if there is anything good in your finances, if there's anything good in your health, if there's anything good in your family, and somebody says, you know, you're good at this, or you've got this, hey, good for you, you should deflect all that praise to God because anything good in your life came from God. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Mary, in her song of praise, is acknowledging, 
Anything good in her life comes from the mighty one. She chooses in the midst of this surprise, in the midst of her not fully understanding, and in the midst of her poverty, and in the midst of being a simple, unwed, pregnant girl where no one's going to believe her story, and no one's going to trust her anymore, and in all likelihood, she's going to be downtrodden in her culture She chooses to acknowledge that any blessing in her life comes from God. And of course, the point of application for each of us is irregardless of how the world treats you or how the world tries to silence you or how the world tries to marginalize you, we still have much to be thankful about. There are still many reasons for us to praise God today. There are many reasons for us to worship him. Stop dwelling on your problems and start declaring your praise. Point number two, and this is, oh, I hope you get point two. Mary recalls how merciful God is to those who are humble. To those who revere him, she says in verse 50, his mercy, God's mercy, extends to those who fear him. And that phrase, fear him, does not mean that you're scared of God. You're not supposed to be frightened of God as a believer, but you are supposed to revere him which means to respect him, to to honor him. That's what that word fear him, it means to revere him. She says his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation to generation. And what she's saying there was even in her generation, it didn't matter who you were or where you were, as long as you humbly revered God, that God was gonna bless you and show mercy to you. And that's not only true in her generation, That's true in our generation, that if today on this planet called Earth, in the midst of all the craziness, if you will live your life in reverence to God, that God will extend his mercy to you as he did to her. And notice verse 51 in this song. He has performed mighty deeds. Well, of course, he's a mighty God. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. Now he has, watch this, he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but God uplifts those who are humble. Two things there. One, God is all-powerful, and all sing. Who's telling you this? A little teenage girl who's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Some angel just showed up and told her this and she's scared out of her mind. But this little girl knows that God sees all, that he knows all, God can do it all, and that God is more powerful than any king, that God is more powerful than any ruler, God is more powerful than any nation. And what is the context? Everybody say the word context. What is the context of all this? At this time, Rome is a superpower. Rome is conquering the world. It is the greatest power the world had ever seen. It is the greatest army the world has ever seen. It is the greatest city the world has ever seen. And on the other hand, you got this little teenage girl living in obscurity, 
in an unclean part of a tiny nation. She's got no money. She's got no army. She's in the middle of nowhere. Nobody knows who she is. Yet this little girl has enough sense to know that even though she is nothing in the eyes of Rome, that she is nothing in the eyes of the world, that the God she serves is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-seeing, and that if God sees all and knows all, that God can see her, that God knows her, that God cares about her. And what she is saying is that she is in, actually in a better place than the most powerful people in the most powerful nation because God in due season will lift her up and be with her. If she continues to walk humbly before the Lord, I wish we fully understood that the way that we walk and the way that we live and the way that we talk and the way that we serve and the way that we exercise our faith and the way that we humbly live in reverence before an almighty God has more blessing and more favor and more power than all of the world's armies put together. And if that is true, and it is true, Mary knows in her mind and in her heart, write this down, that God is greater than any fear that she might be experiencing at that moment. And I don't know if there's anyone here that needs to be reminded of that truth today, that God is greater than any fear that you might be experiencing here today. I have in no way, in no way have I downplayed the seriousness of this pandemic. The pandemic is real and the pandemic is here. I have in no way ever sugarcoated the degree of evil that exists in our country, the United States of America. I have never ignored the lack of racial justice in our nation. I, I have never uh, been blind to the division in our country or the lack of accountability to our elected officials. The, the politics and the big tech companies and the culture and the sin that is leading our nation down the tubes. We have the threat of some being some $27 trillion in debt now as a nation. We have rogue nations that are acquiring nuclear bombs as we sit here today. We have a number of businesses that have been forced to close and who will never recover after this pandemic. We have our religious freedoms that are being taken from us this very moment. We have the complacency of so many in regards to protecting the life of the unborn. And I could go on and on and on about the giants we face in this country that seem insurmountable. But what Mary's song reminds me is that if God will bless a humble teenage girl who feels downtrodden in a tiny town 2,000 years ago that my greatest calling, my greatest obligation is to simply remain humble before God, not just outwardly, not just outwardly, because as verse 51 reminds us that God knows my inmost thoughts. So I can walk around like I'm really humble. But inside I'm full of pride. God's not gonna honor that. We have to remain humble before God even in our inmost thoughts. Now stay with me on this point. 
Mary didn't get to choose to be the mother of Jesus. She didn't get to choose the fact that she was conceived by the Holy Spirit. God made that choice. But what Mary chose and what makes Mary great and why she should be praised is that in spite of the fact that God was the one that chose her to be the mother of her child, she chose to remain humble. That's why she should be praised. She chose to believe that God is still on his throne, that God is all-powerful, that God is all-seeing, that God is all-knowing, and that God has lost none of his power, he's lost none of his strength, and if God can take care of Mary, then certainly he can take care of us. And the third thing that I see here that Mary reminds us and this is kind of, stay with me on this. She reminds us that only God can satisfy the longings of our heart. Not power, not wealth, not fame, not how many followers you have, not how many toys you get for Christmas, not what kind of fancy clothes you have in your closet. She actually reminds us of this, write this down, that riches do not solve your problem. She says in this song, this song of praise in verse 53, that God has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away. What's the last word? Empty. She is saying that her life, her life is better off serving the Lord in obscurity than the person over there in that triple car garage who does not serve the Lord. You see, the greatest issue we all face here is not who rules our country. It's who rules our heart. And no time is that picture more clear than at Christmas time. It's, 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 I mean, if you read this, it's very interesting that at the end of her song, that the thing that she talks about is that riches don't satisfy. I wonder what she would think if she were here today and she knew that 2,000 years later, that people would view Christmas as a time where all we do is give and exchange presents without even recognizing the child that was born. There are many Christmas sections, if you go to a store, where they've got the lights, they've got the wrappings, they've got the toys, they've got, if you go, just walk through the Christmas section, they got everything there but Jesus. It's, it's more than strange, it's diabolical. To see an unsaved world celebrating a Christmas with no mention of Christ. Almost, not all, but almost every corporation in the entire United States of America have mandated to their employees that you do not say the words Merry Christmas, you say Happy Holidays to the customers.
I wonder what Mary would think about that. Because in our culture, presents are okay. Keep them coming. I want that PlayStation 5. I need those new clothes. I need those new car keys. I, I, need, that, I need that latest iPhone. Keep the presents coming. Because in our culture, that's what matters most. But God's presence is what's needed most. Well, if I could share one thing with you, one life lesson from this text is that fame will never satisfy, money will never satisfy, wealth will never satisfy, having more knowledge will never satisfy, relationships, education, possessions, vacations never satisfy. Only Jesus, his words, his love, his forgiveness, his eternal promises, his spirit, his salvation, his presence, his presence satisfy the longings of your heart. And if I can say one last thing, or let me say, if Mary's song tells us one last thing, is that why wealth will never satisfy you, here's something that will, remembering God's faithfulness and God's mercy. Remembering God's faithfulness in God's mercy. And she talks about that in verse 54 and 55. She was trusting in the faithfulness of God. I, I don't have a verse up on the screen, but I want you to look at verse 56 as we close. Verse 56, it's interesting to me. Look, look at verse 56 in your Bible. At the end of all this, She has this dream, or angel shows, hey, you're the little girl in the middle of nowhere, you're pregnant, I know you've never been with a man, the Spirit of God has overshadowed you inside your womb right now, is the Savior of the world, it's, it's, it, he's, he's, he's the Savior of the world, what, I, I, how can this be, I'm a virgin, oh, Holy Spirit, oh, I don't know what to do, the angel leaves, what am I gonna, oh, I'm gonna go see my cousin Elizabeth, she goes, hi, Elizabeth, first words, blessed are you, that child, and you're the Son of God, oh, she, not, she now knows it's all true. It's interesting, when all this is over, no one's gonna believe her. No one's gonna trust her. The world's still crazy. That she doesn't run back to Joseph. How to run right back to jo Joseph? You're not gonna believe all. What does the Bible say in verse 56? It says that she stays with Elizabeth for three months. For three months. As though I'm not gonna worry about any of this because I know that God's got this. I don't. There's no need me worrying about any of this. If it ha oh, here it comes, the baby belly's getting bigger. Oh, this is all happening. I don't need to worry because of the mercy and the faithfulness of an almighty God. And as we stand, I wanna ask you this question. I want you to stand real quick. Everybody stand up. We're gonna sing, we're gonna pray and get out of here. I wanna ask you this question. What is there in your life that you're all worried about here today? What is it that's got you worried? 
Are you worried about the pandemic? Are you worried about getting sick? Are you worried you're gonna die? Are you worried about your finances, your job, your future, your family, your kids? What is it, that you're, what is it exactly that you're worried about? And when I, read, when I read this Mary song, you talk about someone who had a lot to worry about. It was little young Mary. But you read through that song of hers. She knew that God was faithful and she knew that God was merciful. And as far as she was concerned, she didn't need to worry about anything else because God was in control. Now, I want to say this to you in love, okay? Because I know it's easy to get worked up and worried about stuff, especially now, right? But if you really, truly, I mean, if think about this, if you're truly worried, I mean, you have some real things that you're worried about, you ought to be running to God. You ought to be running to the church, running to the Bible, running to Jesus Christ because he's the only one that can see you through this mess that you're in. And to not come to Jesus means that you believe that that's just a problem that Almighty God just simply can't solve. And I would tell you to pick up your Bible and read the Song of Mary and see what it is that she's worried about. You and I just need to walk, live in and out humbly before an Almighty God and let God take care of everything else and you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Amen? Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Let's pray. Oh, you all need to be thankful we didn't even get to Zachariah's song. You think her song preaches? You should go read Zachariah's song before you go to bed tonight. And let me preach for an hour. No, I'm kidding. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, thank you for today and I mean, the scriptures are there to help us to read and to learn and to study about what, what happened back in that day and to apply it to our day. And Lord, I mean, it's, it's been crazy. It's, it's, it's crazier now. I thought a thing would die down after. I think things are crazier now than they were two weeks ago. That stuff's never gonna end. It's, it's endless. It's endless. And I just wanna still my heart. I wanna still quiet my soul and just come to the house of God, study the Word of God and to sing and to worship, to look at all the things that I can be thankful for and to express that in, in song and in praise and magnify the Lord God and remind me that if you can take care of that little girl think about that she's not with her parents she's not with Joe she's up there with at her cousin's house for three months and that 
entire time, the first three months of that, the first trimester, that belly's just like, she can feel that child in there. And all she can do is remind herself of the faithfulness of God from generation to generation to those who humbly revere him. And help us to live like that. And if we can learn that lesson, oh, this would be a great Christmas, a great Christmas. Help us to search and to feel, to sense your presence in our life. Calm those fears, oh God. Help us to live and walk daily in great faith. Lord, thank you for today. Help us this week as we head towards Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve Eve, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, to find that 30-minute window with our family and our loved ones to participate and to catch up on this final sermon of this series. God, I love this church. Ask your blessing on every man, woman, boy, and girl. We thank you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. God bless you, and thank you for coming to church.